Corey, like, <laughs> I'm just going to start every Sunday like that, like, Corey. <laughs> anyway, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the well. So we're um, wrapping up our series on, um, on desperation, and we're this week is about holiness. And this is a, a song, our opening song is about holiness. what I long for Holiness is what I need Holiness, holiness is what you want from me Take my heart and form it Righteousness, righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness is what you want from me. Take my is what I long for Faithfulness is what I need Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you want from me Take my heart and form it
from where you are. Today is the last week in our series on desperation. The focus is on desperation for God's holiness, trading our lifestyles for lifestyles of, mm, sorry, trading our lifestyles of sin for a lifestyle of righteousness. And as we begin worship this morning, let's all join together in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen for all the people at home make sure we're looking up the lyrics to the songs we're singing we're saying build my life because we're talking about uh, desperation for righteousness and modeling our lives of that of Jesus. And so this song really helps that. It's called Build My Life. Worthy of every song. Worthy of every song we could ever see. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Sing Jesus the name above Jesus the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever save Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Holy there is no one Holy there is no one like you There is none beside Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Let's sing worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one. Holy, there is no one. 
come to our time of offering we thank you for being uh, faithful and allowing us to serve in the community especially to the uh, to the teachers at, at LHS um, it helps us to serve them breakfast and it helps us take care of band camp and and various other things going on in the community there's three ways to, to give you can text to give that's at 84321 you can go to the website which is lewisburgwell.org um, and then click give there or you can send a good old-fashioned snail mail check to 56 Vaughn Lane that's in Olive Branch 
Cause I don't have to be the old man inside of me Cause his day is long dead and gone Because I've got a new name, a new life I'm not the same and a hope that will carry me home I am redeemed You said chains and wipe away every stain. Now I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. You said God, I'm not who I used to be. Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains and wipe away Mercy, y'all. So today's topic, uh, I'd recognize, is, is not a new one. Uh, and if you are at home and keeping count, uh, this is going to be the third time uh, in five months that we've talked about this particular topic. Um, and if you add in that opening song that we did, <laughs> y'all, Holiness uh, is a 1994 song. That is not, I, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of sometimes old songs become new again, uh, and that particular song has, has always been a mainstay uh, whenever I have gone somewhere in love, because it's a, um, it's such a powerful song. I know it's so simple, but it's really powerful. But the idea is, you know, we just finished up six weeks ago, we finished up Holy, 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 and that last week was on holiness, Right? I mean, it was, uh, it was the understanding that uh, when we are trying to fill in the holes of our souls uh, and we do this with Jesus and give our lives wholly to Christ, then what leads us, uh, what, what happens is it leads us into a life of holiness. Um, if you look back to Ash Wednesday, which was in February, which right now feels like it was in 1994, um, <laughs> it is, um, we talked about on Ash Wednesday the idea that David uh, was... Uh, was, was literally in, in Psalm 51, was saying, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast, or what we, uh, the song is, is, the song says from probably 1994 too, uh, it says, uh, create a right spirit within me, a steadfast spirit within me. So it's this, it's this idea that right after he had uh, sinned with Bathsheba, he's like, I need holiness, and I need to be holy again. Uh, and then um, 
You know, so this is literally like the third time in the last five months. I don't know why it is that God has, has for whatever reason, put this on my heart so much. Um, and remember, I told you that when things happen in multiple times uh, within a pretty close proximity. Now, five months doesn't feel close, but right now, the whole pandemic time just feels like one big segment of time uh, to me. It doesn't feel like it's been five months. It feels like one long drama of some sort uh, that is playing out. And so, um, so, like, to hear that over and over and over again, like, I feel like God's trying to say something. I don't know what it is, but I do feel like God is trying to say something to us. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I think it is, is that maybe we need holiness right now. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Um, I could use a, a serious dose of holiness, I'm sure, just like anybody else can. Um, and it is a minister, by the way, it's one of the most difficult, it's one of the most difficult positions to have as when, it, I'm sorry, let me try all that again. It's a difficult thing for us, it's a discipline to carry, uh, because holiness is difficult, right, just as a whole. It's really difficult to actually like bring that discipline up to par with God. And as a minister, I try to hold these two things in tensions, right? So there's two, I, there's two aspects that I try to hold. And one is, is, is literally it's God's judgment. That God has these, these hardcore, steadfast laws that are uncompromised and that God is like, look, I want you to follow this. Um, and I try as a minister to hold this in, right? And we all have this deep down inside of us because people stop cussing when they're around me. And this is why I don't tell people I'm a minister because they stop cussing. They stop, they stop acting like themselves. They start acting like somebody completely different because they recognize that God is a judgment, has, is a, has a judging side and recognizes that there's some laws that are uncompromising. And that's the, I try to hold that intention with the other side of God's grace. So there's this, uh, there's this ideal life that God wants us to hold, and then there is this realistic life that we hold. And that's God's grace in that we are forgiven, and that we are redeemed, as the song says, and that we actually are literally, we have been given free love even though we have sinned. Because we recognize, and, and here's the thing that I want us to be real careful of, is that we, um, we, I don't want us to get to a point where we are... We're, I don't know, I, this is hard even to articulate. I'm going to try this one more time. It is very difficult for us to get to the point where we go, okay, we'll just embrace sin. And that's why the holding both of these worlds, this idealistic thing that God is like, I want you to get to this, versus the grace side of this, which is more realistic of I sin every day, it's so hard to hold these intentions as a minister, because I want to look at people and go, look, God's going to judge you. I'm not. And I probably lean too hard towards the grace. If there's anything, I probably lean too much in that direction. Um, and that's probably wrong. I'm probably not doing this right as a minister. Um, but this is where I am. And I try to give people that grace of holding these two things in tension, of going, hey, here's the grace, but let's move towards the righteousness. Let's move towards that idealistic thing. Don't stay here. And that's what today's topic is about, is that desperation for God's holiness. Yes, we have sin in our lives. Yes, we still wrestle with these things every single day. Yes, we still wrestle with, with thoughts and with actions and with our heart being in the wrong place. How do we get to here? How do we get to where we are living that idealistic life? And, and that's what today is about. The last couple of times we've talked holiness, it's been more about specific action. And today is more about a lifestyle. So this, this series has been about desperation. It's the, last, it's the last week of the series, but it's been about desperation. And the idea there is that we, what are you desperate for when you wake up? What are you desperate for when we gather as a church? Whether we gather digitally, whether we gather in person in my Lord, the heat, uh, or whether it is we gather just as a few people that are in here uh, who are leading and leading in worship through the interwebs. 
You know, what is it that, what is it that we're desperate for? And we've talked about being desperate for God's presence, for God's voice, for God's community, for God's heart for others. And today is that desperation for holiness, that desperation to live a lifestyle that God has actually called us to live in. And we're going to go to Romans chapter 6 today. Uh, and I know, like there was a closeness. I could see Nelson go, oh, 806. <laughs> like you're so close, but not there. Um, so Romans chapter 6, taking your Bibles or taking your phones or whatever. If you're watching, you may be watching on your phone, so your Bible's like, oh no, I can't do both. Um, so take the opportunity to grab a hard copy on your shelf or something. Open up to Romans chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 11 because I want you to hear the background, but we're going to focus specifically on ultimately uh, 15 through 23. So listen to this, um, listen to these scriptures. Paul says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. A wiki, wickiness? Like, what is that? Wickedness. But rather, <laughs> offer yourselves it's like WikiLeaks or something, like Wikipages. I don't know, Wikipedia? I don't know. I mean, anyway, let me try all that again. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Can you hear the tension right there? I'm telling you as a minister, it's so hard to hold on to these two. Now listen to what he says. He takes this illustration and he pushes it a little further because now he starts talking about lifestyle. Listen to this. He says, so what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. This is what I mean when you're, when you're holding attention. It's yes, I know we sin. Yes, I recognize that there is some grace here, but let's move towards a place where we are not sinning anymore. He says, so don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because, you're, because of your human limitations. And that is a huge sentence. We're going to talk about that in just a, second, just a second. He said, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. And when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. And, benefit you, uh, and uh, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, so I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pause and let's pray over this because I know this is a hard topic. And I recognize that for a lot of us, man, this is something that we wrestle with every single day. So let's stop and pray for just a moment. Lord, I know how difficult this is. I know that we wrestle with sin all the time. And we question. I know we wrestle with ourselves and we question, if I, am, if I have given myself to you, God, why is it that I continue to do these things that I don't want to do? 
The very same argument that Paul has had uh, in so many of his writings. But God, today I pray that you break into that pattern and you disrupt that pattern within us. I pray today, God, that you give us hope and you give us the grace needed so we can break the cycle and begin to literally live in the way that you want us to live, in a life of holiness, a pattern of righteousness, uh, so that we may have eternal life. These things we pray in your name. Amen. So there are a couple of things in this passage that I want us to grab a hold of. As first things up is that we are to be slaves to righteousness. Now, I want us to hear, I want you to hear my heart. Paul did not like this illustration. He absolutely didn't like this illustration. This is a major theme in the book, though, and the idea is for Romans, in the book of Romans, he is trying to put the forth the theme that we have been rescued. And he's using this concept, this, uh, this historical concept known to the Jews as literally the Egypt thing, right? That they have been rescued and they've been brought from freedom uh, into, or they've been brought from slavery into freedom. And that's where he is using this illustration. And he's using that language to help people to understand it. But he doesn't like it. And this is where that verse comes into play, where he says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. He recognizes that it's not a perfect illustration. When he is literally, he's saying, I'm using this from everyday life. So he's using a historical concept that's known to the Jews. But he's using a historical, a modern historical context for them as Romans and as Gentiles. Because there was slavery all around them. People had to give themselves into indentured servitude all around them. People were literally owned during that time frame. And so what Paul is saying is ultimately... these aren't equal sides, but he's like, but you've got two choices, slave to sin, slave to God. And for him, you can hear him wrestle with this. He's like, this is not perfect. And it's not perfect because he's like, I don't want you to think that that God is, you are now slave to something else. You're not slave to sin anymore. You're slave to something else. But really, it comes down to allegiances. It comes down to power. Um, And so, and when he says it's because of your human limitations, he's not calling them stupid. He's just saying there's no better way to do this. I'm going to try to keep this as absolutely simple as possible because as humans, we don't necessarily grasp what the freedom is that God has given us. So he says, so I'm going to try to help us understand that we're either here or we're here. And we say what we're doing is that God is, is no longer leaving you in the slave to sin. He's no longer leaving you in Egypt, so to speak. He's saying he has brought you and rescued you and freed you from that to become, and for, for lack of a better term, he's saying slaves to righteousness. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to try to help out a little bit. Um, and, and instead of using the word slavery, uh, I'm going to actually use the word power. I'm going to try to adjust it so that it becomes a little more clear into what it is that Paul is trying to do. And so hear my heart on this. And we just talked about this just a few weeks ago. But the power of sin leaves us empty. It leaves us empty. And so we talked about this, that our souls have this natural holiness to it, like these holes that are all in, and we are like, okay, we're trying our best to fill this with something. And as we try to fill it in, we go automatically to the things that bring us pleasure. We go automatically to the things that bring us happiness, which is very fleeting when it comes down to what the world offers. And so when he's doing that, he's like, look, this is not good. It leaves us absolutely empty. And we talked about that it's never enough. Then you get, one, you get your fill for just a short time, and then that moment is fleeting, and it goes away. And we're like, okay, I want more, and then I want more, and then I want more, and I want more. And so the idea is it grows, and it grows, and grows until we get to the point that we can't control our sin anymore. And we can't control uh, the, the emptiness that is inside of us. And afterwards, everything is over with. It leaves us even more empty than we were before. 
We literally become, and I'm going to use a, a hot button word here, so be careful with this. Um, we become consumers. You want to know why advertisement keeps coming after, uh, you know, it keeps coming after society? They, they want to make money, but they recognize that we're making money off of consumers who need more and more and more and more. We become consumers. This is why, um, as a church, we try not to become a consumeristic, entertainment-driven church. Because all it does is just create more consumers. We're, we're filling ourselves with nothing. It's not holiness. We're not filling ourselves with anything but a feel-good moment. So when we walk away from Sundays, all we're doing is we're patting ourselves on the back. We become consumers. And so what we're needing is a desperation for holiness. And this is what Jesus talks about. Jesus actually brings this out in the Sermon on the Mount. And listen to the difference. When you talk about sin leaves us empty, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This last phrase, y'all, for they will be filled. The implication is that if we don't hunger, for thirst, uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness, we're hungering and we're thirsting for something else that doesn't fill us. And Jesus is saying, no, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is where that power should be in our lives, where we become slaves to, we become slaves to righteousness. We become under the power of righteousness, and that's what fills us. And Paul reinforces that uh, in verse 17. He's like, look, you've been let go. You've been set free from that. You've been set free from that, which makes you empty, and you have now taken on the teachings uh, that of someone who is going to fill you. Listen to this. So, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. That's what fills us. It's the, literally the hunger and the thirst for righteousness that Jesus talks about. When we are literally, we are under the power of righteousness. That's what fills us. But I find this, this particular phrase, and this is the, the second thing I want you to catch a hold of. He says, you have come to obey from your heart. You've come to obey from your heart. You see, the second thing I want us to catch is not only have you become under the power of righteousness when you say yes to Christ, but that righteousness leads to holiness. It leads to holiness. It's a lifestyle. Listen to the second half of this. It says in verse 19, it starts off, it says, I'm using this as an example of everyday life because of human limitations. So he doesn't like the illustration. But then he continues, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. Do you see what I mean by, by more and more and more and more? That the, that the wickedness and the evils and the things of this world that we keep going after, thinking it's going to bring us joy, doesn't do that. And so we're left even more empty than before, so we have to go after it more and more and more. And he says that, he says, the ever-increasing wickedness. Now listen to this. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. And he says it a little bit later on. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. It leads to holiness. So our, our righteous, uh, or literally our, con our heart condition is what it comes down to. When we give ourselves to Christ and we say, okay, I'm going to leave behind the sin and I'm coming after you. No matter what that, like, I'm just, I, whatever it is that you call on me, I am coming after that. It becomes more than just good and moral actions. It becomes more than just moral correction. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a lifestyle. 
Um, it's it not something that we need more and more and more of the sin. We actually get to where we need more and more of the righteousness and the holiness. And the obedience comes from a change of the heart. And the benefit to this, the benefit, as he says in verses 21 and 23, he was like, so what did a sin, a sin lifestyle lead you to? It says, uh, what benefit? He says that you are now ashamed of. He said, did you, uh, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of and they result in death? You see, when we are under the power of sin, it leads to shame and death. And then he says, but when you're under the power of righteousness, he says, now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, literally you're under the power of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and eternal life. It leads to holiness and eternal life. Paul isn't saying anything new. It's just not. Uh, I know it feels like sometimes when you listen to Paul, when you read Paul, like it's like, like is he just making some of this stuff up? But truly he's not. He's reinforcing historical, uh, historical uh, teachings for, forever. It's all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. He is reinforcing those things. If you go back to understanding like this isn't new, that we are here to be holy, that the, literally under the power of God leads to holiness, listen to what it says, Leviticus 11, 44 and 45. Literally God says, be holy. I know, back to Leviticus. Be holy because I am holy. Um, in 1 Peter 1, we talked about this one a few weeks ago as well. It reinforces that because literally Peter is saying, don't conform in, uh, in all of your evil desires, but literally be holy in all you do because the Lord said, be holy because I am holy. In Psalm 119, and I want to read this one to you. Give me a second to find it because I didn't mark it this morning. Uh, in Psalm 119, listen to what he says here in the first eight verses. Oh, look, I did mark it. <laughs> That's right there, pandemic brain. What Psalm 119 says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless. That's another way of saying holy. Who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. This is all holiness, y'all. You have laid down pre uh, precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways are steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. We'll come back to that in a second. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. In all of 119, I know a lot of us kind of, I say a lot of us, for those of us who read Psalms, uh, we steer clear of 119 because it is so blasted long. It is really, really, it's like 175 verses or something like that. Let me double check and make sure I'm giving you correct information. It's 176 verses long. And we're like, why does it have to be that long? Um, but if you listen to all of them, it literally is a song. The Psalms are songs, but it's a song for each letter of the alphabet of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, and so each one of those is the same topic of, I will follow your decrees. But this line, as I learn your righteous laws, y'all, what he's saying, what, is, what the author of that particular psalm is leading us to understand is that we are constantly learning that holiness. We are growing in holiness. So when we have that tension of going, okay, God wants us to have this ideal lifestyle versus God wants us you know, to, to have this grace as well. We are to have the grace, but move toward the ideal lifestyle. 
We're to move toward the perfection that God wants us. Literally, it's called sanctification. If you haven't heard that church term before, oh, John Wesley, Methodist church people, um, is sanctification. We're to be moving towards that every single day. And then Paul reinforces this again in Romans 12.1 when he says to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and blameless uh, and, and pleasing to God as an act of worship. Y'all, we are to be moving towards and have a desperation for holiness. In the end, um, I, I want you to hear my heart on this because I think this is really important. I, I want to be incredibly transparent with you. Um, I'm tired of playing church. I think in the end, I'm just downright tired of playing church. And that is what, and I'm not, I'm not the only one. I know there's more of you out there who are tired of doing all this stuff. It's how we have set the foundation of this church up is we're all tired of playing church. When the vast majority of us have been either burned by the church or hurt by the church in our congregation, for those who have come here, have all been hurt somewhere else, and they go, man, this place seems like a place of refuge. Tired of playing church. Um, that's what this whole series has been about. It's literally changing our mindset when we get together to worship and when we get together online or when we get together in our small groups. It is to change our mindset of what we're desperate for, what we long for, and what we seek. We have worked really hard as a church to stay outside these four walls and to recognize that the building is not the church. This is just a location where we meet. The church is the people. The church is who it is that is out in the community, all these places, over and over and over. We work really hard to serve in our community over and over and more and more and more. That's what we do. And we're still working hard. And I know we have not perfected this. We have not perfected how it is that we best disciple people at the well at Lewisburg. We are working really hard to figure that out. We're working hard to establish that pattern to say this is how we as a church develop people into disciple makers, not just learning, but actually producing more disciples, more than just knowledge, but life-changing and then changing somebody else. That's what we're working towards. And what I'm saying is if the pandemic hasn't helped us understand anything but this, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. We've got to go deeper with where we are. Now, hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying, I am absolutely not saying we need to do more. That's not what I'm saying at all. I don't need a bunch of burned out, tired Christians in our congregation. I don't need to have a good laundry list of all of the things that we've ever done in this church to go, yeah, look at how cool and awesome we are. That's not what I'm here for. It's not what any of us are here for. We're not needing to do more necessarily. We're needing to do better. We're needing to go deeper with where we are. Having a desperation, having a desperation for God and for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, will lead us to that place of going deeper. It will lead us to that place of doing better. I think the pandemic has revealed that there are some things, some programs, some ministries that just downright aren't important. They're good ideas, but they're just not important. We've had to cut a few things, and we've gone, hey, we haven't noticed life without them. I hate to put it that way, but we just haven't. I've heard that from a lot of churches, actually. Um, I think it's been revealed at times uh, that maybe we are, even though we are so much in the community, maybe we are still, still just a little too attached to the building and feeling like we have to be here to worship. When I recognize it, 
Worship is more powerful when you're in presence, when you've got people here. There's nothing wrong with that. I totally believe that. I absolutely wholeheartedly believe that. But if we can't do it, what are we going to do? Just sit on our hands? No. We're not going to do that. We need to figure out to do better. Do something different. That's just as powerful. That still reaches folks. That still leads us into desperation. It has revealed to us that maybe, just maybe, as much as we have tried to clean out old school understanding of church, meaning all the stuff that doesn't matter, and lead towards a desperation of the spirit that does matter, we still maybe have realized that maybe, just maybe, church, we have still made church in our desires and in our image. And not necessarily in the image of God. So what I'm telling you is to finish out this series and finish out, I hope and pray to God this series is never over. I hope and I pray that it is never something we go, well, all right, well, we finished this series, it's time to move on. No, I hope and I pray that the desperation for God never changes. And I pray that we do not go back to the way things were before, ever. Whether that is in a physical presence way or whether that's just in a, in a haphazard checklist, spiritual checklist way, or whether that is something else, I don't know. But I pray that we don't get back into the same ruts that we were five months ago when we were starting this stuff out. Because it has revealed some things about us as a church, but as the Big C Church, I think it's revealed a whole lot about the Big C Church that we've got to do better. The last thing I want you to catch is that desperation affects desperation. Do you realize that? None of these things change. Like all of these things lead us to changing and deepening these other pieces. So in other words, when we are desperate for God's presence, all we do at that point is we hunger more for the voice of God and we hunger more for our community and we hunger more for the holiness that we need to have in our own lives. When these things happen, we are hungry for holiness, then we are hungry then to have a heart for others. Because as my life begins to change, I want to have, have other people's lives change too. To experience the same thing I'm experiencing. And the more that happens, the more we, des- we deepen our desperation for God's voice and presence and community. All of these desperations lead to the other. So I want to leave you with this. What are you desperate for? What are you desperate for? Which one of those of the desperations of God's presence and voice and community and heart for others and holiness, which one of those things is the one that resonates with you? And here's my last question is, are you willing to help make us as a church, as the well at Lewisburg, desperate for whatever God wants us to do? Not for our own sake and ideas, but for God's. Are we desperate enough to say, we'll abandon anything and everything we have for you, whatever it is, God, that you want us to leave uh, and do, uh, or leave here and do, because we're desperate for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Lord, 
Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Lord, I need you one last time. congregation we also recognize uh in the next coming weeks there is there are there's a whole other group of folks who are going to need that defense from god <laughs> and so we have put together a short video of uh all the teachers that we have going back now i'm sure that i've missed one i swear to you i always miss one and i, and I promise i know who you are i swear uh so the video is a little different next week i apologize so over the next couple two or three weeks we're going to pray for our teachers who are heading back uh, and that's not to say, we also have a couple of homeschool families too, and it's not to say that they are not important, by the way. So Julie and Jen, who I know you both do homeschooling, we are praying for you as well. Uh, but we recognize that, uh, that we're sending teachers back in uh, to schools. And so uh, make sure that when you see this video, write names down, write schools down, and, and uh, that way you're praying for the teachers and for their, all, all their students as well. Hi, my name is Rebecca Jones. I teach ELA to fourth graders at Power Center Academy Elementary School in Hickory Hill in Memphis, Tennessee. Hi, I'm Renee. I am starting my ninth year at Cross Creek Christian Academy teaching math and history and my 11th year at University of Phoenix as an online general ed professor. Hey, my name's Jason Greer. I'm the girls basketball coach at Lewisburg High School. I also teach government and economics. I'm looking forward to this year, whatever it brings. Hi, I'm Jeanette A. and I teach fifth grade English language arts at Center Hill Elementary School. Hey guys, I am Nelson Coyle, and I am assistant band director at Lewisburg High School and Lewisburg Middle School. Hey everybody, my name is Misty Vandenberg. I'm a kindergarten teacher at Lewisburg Primary School. Hey, I'm Becky Plank, and I'm a special education teacher at Center Hill Elementary. So what we want to do right now is just take a moment and pray for our teachers and for our students, administrators, and schools as they all go back in the next week, right? So, uh, so let's pray. Lord God, this is a heavy time, uh, as we are still so much that we don't know. Uh, we recognize that, uh, that things change on a daily basis. I recognize that, that the rules and the guidelines for teachers, the emails that they have gotten have literally almost, has changed everything almost literally every single day. We've put a lot on them, and we've had high expectations, and I know, God, that it feels like we're even going to double jobs up when they're doing uh, in-person classes 
and online classes. God, for our teachers, we pray that their anxiety starts to drop, that your presence begins to rise within their classrooms, within their Zoom meetings, with all of their times where they get together administrators. I pray, God, that their anxiety level drops and your power rises. Lord, for them, as they go back, I know that it's, everything is uncertain, and we have lived in uncertainty for so long that it's exhausting. And Lord, I pray for them, that you give them a new strength, a new power, and a new understanding every single day, that they know that you are with them and that you are going to be right there with them and all of the students. God, for the students who are going back, we pray for them, all of our college students who are out and about right now, who are working on going back towards schools, uh, and for those who are going into the high schools and all the uh, other schools, the elementaries, the primaries, uh, God, the middle schools. Uh, Lord, we pray for them as well. All the administrators who are having to, uh, to figure out new steps, because if, if the administrators or anything, or if, if I'm like anything an administrator feels like, because I feel completely responsible for every person in our congregation, and I know they feel responsible for every person in that school. And so, God, I pray for a, a peace that passes your incredible understanding. All these things, God, we bring before you, and we'll continue to do so over the next couple, two or three weeks, God, because we know how hard it is to be in the life of a teacher, to be in the life of a homeschool teacher, to be in the life of uh, a bus driver, an administrator, a front office worker, uh, a custodian who is literally the, the lifeblood of every school, every coach that's out there, every band director that's out there. God, we raise these people up to you now in the name of your uh, precious son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all, thank you for letting us do that. Like, um, I know it's a hard time. I know there's a lot of mixed emotions. And so, uh, so continue to pray for them. Write those names down. You will see the video. You can go back to Facebook. You can go to YouTube uh, and find those things. Uh, uh, you, you'll find that video where you can go and write the names down. Uh, those, will be, those things will be up today. Uh, so anyway, so as a benediction today, uh, know this. Know that we will probably provide some form of a COVID update this week as a church. Uh, we meet as a leadership team uh, Tuesday night to kind of reflect on what the past month has brought, uh, what the bishop has asked of us, uh, as well as the way we're going to continue to move forward. Uh, and so, uh, so you'll probably hear another update from us sometime this week. Our, our, our benediction this entire series has been Exodus uh, chapter 6, verse 7, and I want to end us with that today. It says, I will take you as my own people. And I will be your God, and then you will know that I, the Lord, am your God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Bye, y'all.